Alright guys, welcome back to Theory and Theology. Here we talk about different theories, different theologies, different literature and beliefs and traditions about different cultures, different religions, um, and spirituality topics. And, um... Lately, I've been kind of curious about um, the origins of the Christian church. Now, I know basically some of the original information, but I've lately become more and more curious about, like, a picture of it, right? Because we kind of see the Old Testament, and then we see all of a sudden here comes the new testament like way way later and the new testament wasn't even written during like during the actual physical time of jesus being on the planet like walking around the earth as a human being um it was written after like 300 years after I believe don't quote me on that but I'm I think that <clears throat> that's kind of what it looked like um and I was studying from this uh Catholic website uh it's a YouTube channel it just has a lot of like Catholic priests um I mean Catholicism compared to Protestantism, I'm not too sure which one's larger, in all honesty. I mean, I really wish I knew, like, who, which has more people. Um, but they are quite different from one another. Um, I kind of started out trying to figure out, like, how does orthodoxy christian orthodox churches because there are a lot they're ethiopian there's greek there's roman there's there's a lot of different types of assyrian um there's a lot of different types of orthodox faiths um and how come they look so different from christianity um from from other forms of christianity like um from most protestant you know denominations and then comparing those to catholicism i I was thinking about it i was like i've never really been to a catholic church which is interesting um as many catholic people as i know i've never been to a catholic church my childhood friend um neighbor when we used to live not far from lax went to uh, saint jerome's and I think it's still technically in Westchester in L.A. Um, you know, he grew up Catholic and he went to a Catholic school. Um, I remember him turkey, talking about his first communion and I had like no idea what he was talking about. But he was talking about that it was going to be his first communion. And um, yeah, I remember he and his brother went to St. Jerome's um, school. And, um, it seemed, let me see, yeah, I, I never really, I mean, I, in high school, when I was not at an Adventist school, when I went to, uh, um, like public college and um, I was definitely raised around a lot of people who were Christian of different types but I didn't know that many people who were too active in their religion or denomination um, so I've always been pretty fascinated with like Orthodox and Catholic churches 
Um, they do have a lot of traditions that you never ever see or hear about in Protestant church, like ever, like ever, like you never, like the cool thing about YouTube is you can like actually watch live services of all different types of religions. Not like every single possible religion has like a service online that you can visually watch, but I do like that you have churches that you can watch. Um, not even necessarily for, like, the doctrine or what they're teaching about or whatever, but even just culturally to be able to, like, go online and watch what somebody did on a certain date um, as if you were there, and you can kind of look and just visually see what's going on, at least what the camera is capturing, and you can see it, and it's, like, it kind of opens up a door to, like, so many different worlds that you would probably you know not have the time or money or energy or comfort to just like walk in and like be like oh I'm gonna go go to this service now like I'm very weird with dress codes I you know I'm pretty sure most of the religions wouldn't let me come into their services because of me not being willing to kind of change up how I want to dress and you know that would definitely close doors for me but it's like I can sit in my room on my phone and watch, you know, Orthodox churches or Catholic churches um, or even like um, synagogues or, you know, Muslim services like, you know, I can sit and like watch different cultures do different things and different ceremonies and services and traditions, you know, and I'm always learning about all kinds of weird stuff to me this weird because it's like I haven't even heard of it like I go way in these rabbit holes I was watching this video today um randomly about this cultural like I don't even know what part of the world it's from I didn't even look into the whole thing I just saw it kind of in passing it was like a like the it was about the summer solstice celebration of this one culture um, the people looked like they were some kind of maybe Asian group, maybe somewhere close to Russia, Uzbekistan, some something like that. Like, um, and they had this, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it was that country specifically, but, um, they had this, uh, cultural festival, it was almost uh, the way it seemed like it had some spiritual aspects to it there was a shaman that like opened the ceremonies and then they had different kind of like like uh physical activities um and i think it was called uh i don't know if it said like during the coldest part of the year um but it was in their summer i don't know i that would mean that it was like below the equator I I don't really know man I don't really know but um <clears throat> yeah it talked about the summer solstice and it had these other um people doing these different kind of competitions so there was one where like these guys would hold each other by their arms with their feet uh, like um touching like a almost triangular looking beam that was on the floor and they were seated on opposite sides of this beam holding hands and they would have to pull on each other's arms with their feet touching this thing and then one of them would have to pull the other one out of their seated position um whoever was stronger could pull the other one up from their own seated position and whoever was seated the longest basically won um, there was another one that was like a kind of a, looked like a long jump or like that three kind of like skip hop jump thing that they do in track and field. It was like a, you would, it looked like you did something before you would do like one hop, two hops, three hops, and then one, two, I don't know if it was three two of the two feet together kind of hops but like really far and there was like a race and like all kinds of like competitions and everyone was wearing like uh 
like uh, clothing, like traditional clothing of their culture. It, I'd never heard of anything like that. Um, but I found it interesting that it was like a, a, a traditional summer solstice uh, competition that happened every year. And I mean, that was really cool to see. And I was like, I felt like I was in another century, but literally it's like still going on these days. So I was just like, wow, what is this? <laughs> like, it, it was pretty cool. Um, it almost felt like some like medieval times kind of thing, but like with a little bit different cultural twist on it. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Um <clears throat> I'm way off topic. It's late and I can't sleep, so I'm recording. But basically, yeah, I've been trying to study about the early church and I just found it kind of interesting. Some of the little things that I found, uh, they're just things that I never really thought about. Um, But, you know, I'm always having, like, if I can't visualize it all the way through, then I'm like, in my head, I don't really know, know it, right? So it's like, I kind of learned that almost with, like, doing therapy. It's like, if you can't visualize the scenario, then, you know, you might need to learn a little more about how to help that type of scenario. But from a lot of different, a lot of different perspectives, from different cultural perspectives, because everyone you talk to is going to come from different cultural backgrounds. And so... If you don't know it from that, from a perspective that would be helpful to a certain type of person that's in a certain type of situation from a certain type of background, uh, all those variables with their background, then um, that's when it's like, okay, you might need to sit and work through that and, and see if you can figure that one out. But I, I was noticing that with the church um, and with um, Christianity, I was like, okay. <clears throat> So I get the part up to, you know, Jesus, you know, being unfortunately crucified um, and, you know, ascending to heaven and returning to reveal himself. And then, you know, all that's left are the 11 apostles. Um, And... Because Judas is gone by this point. And then they go to replace him. <clears throat> with. Um, a, to make a 12th apostle. So. Um, so going back just real quick to the apostles. Um, 11 of them were. You know personally picked by Jesus. And Judas kind of came by himself. But 11 of them were personally chosen by by Jesus. He sought them out. And I always find it interesting that in pictures, everybody looks so old. Like, maybe they did look really old because, you know, in those times, you know, people didn't live that long a lot of the time. But, you know, if Jesus was in his 30s, I know when we think of him now, um... He was basically up to nearly eight. He was a baby. He was nearly age 12. And then you see him in his 30s. And that's basically all you really see of Jesus' age ranges. Um, But you see him basically as a not so old person. Like there were still people who had parents living when they were you know his mother his mother was alive but his mother technically they say that his mother was already pretty young um like 14 or so potentially and then people say that Joseph was probably way older like maybe in his 30s or 40s i don't really know where these numbers come from but um you know potentially Mary was very young um, when she had Jesus. So if he's in his 30s, 
let's say, let's give him like 33 or something like that, she would be 47, which isn't that old. Um, <clears throat> she would have been older, but not like so old that she was like not expected to be still living, but potentially by the end of Jesus' life in his 30s, Joseph would have been not living anymore. Um, but going back to, um, you know, the apostles, when Jesus, when Jesus first chose his students, um, according to Rob, Rob Bell in his book, Velvet Elvis, he talks about traditionally how the disciples would have been younger they would have been not like 60 year old looking men um because when you think about it if jesus was in his 30s um with a few year ministry he probably wasn't picking people that were in their 60s i mean not trying to be ageist but just thinking about it because in theory if these people were working and they were out casting nets and they were fishermen they probably didn't have kids by this point. They were probably a younger age range. They didn't have kids. Um, they likely didn't have families. It didn't sound like they had like wives and kids. <clears throat> and some of them uh, had fathers. Um, so they likely were younger if their fathers were working with them. Because if you're in like your 60s, back then you probably weren't like out out in the water fishing and all that kind of stuff you probably had kids that were taking care of you in your older age um you would have been very elderly by the 60s um you could still be alive but you would you would have been very elderly by your 60s it wouldn't make sense that there are all these like 60 year old men out there, you know, casting nets. And then Jesus in his 30s comes in as like, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. Like it makes more sense that they were probably newly rejected youth. Like, like Rob Bell was saying, like potentially they were newly rejected youth that didn't make it to that whole temple system that was going on at the time and weren't chosen to study in the synagogues and so they weren't learning uh traditionally learning uh as jews and they were working instead they weren't chosen to be in the temples learning as scholars they were chosen you know they basically didn't didn't meet up to the higher rabbi's standards but jesus was a rabbi so something had happened where jesus became a rabbi and was noticed as a rabbi by the pharisees by others you know from the temple scribes um, you always see them you know looking at what he says um, I could be wrong about about them thinking of him as a rabbi, but um, many people when they came up to that when they came up to him um, did approach him saying rabbi, you know, um, and so they were acknowledging that about him. So he was at least acknowledged by some people, if not everybody, thinking he was a rabbi already when he was, you know, around the time when he was having his apostles and things. So it's very possible that he was accepted as <clears throat> as um, a young scholar to learn under the yoke of one of the chosen rabbis. Which rabbi, I don't know, um, but he was possibly considered a student of another rabbi which is why he wasn't really seen too much past age 12 or he was possibly um some people say that he left fled to india or some other part of the world and that's why there were those missing years of jesus but either way he comes back gets baptized by john the baptist his cousin um and 
he was also um, Jewish. So Jesus was Jewish. John the Baptist was Jewish. Um, you see all these apostles that were Jewish. Um, they were likely younger. I mean, some of them were tax collectors and, you know, had different, like, professions. So they could have potentially been a little bit older, but they probably weren't, like, 60s, 70 years old. They were probably younger age because they were still working men. So they were young enough to all be able to have jobs, even if they were tax collectors and, and different kind of jobs. And then you see basically Peter um, during the, you know, during Jesus being arrested and um, crucified. And, you know, Peter's there like the whole time. Um, and they ask basically what, what it is that, um, they ask basically what it is that, um, you know, let's get a 12, you know, Peter kind of opens this conversation or someone does where, you know, Peter speaking, saying like, you know, we should choose somebody. So from like Acts 1, verse 21, it's saying like we should choose somebody who's been there uh, with Jesus from the time he was baptized until the time he ascended. And they, cho- they chose possible the possible people who were there. Uh, the names they listed were two people, but one of them had like three names, which was, I don't understand that yet, but it said... The two options were Joseph called Bar, sorry, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and there was a second guy named Matthias. Now, I find it interesting that someone who was raised in a church for so long, I'm not, these aren't the first times I'm like hearing these names, but they never really spoke stuck out to me um so I'm not sure though if Barsabbas means like son of Sabbas um I'm not really too sure about that um but a lot of times you see Bar meaning like son of um so it's possible so I don't know why they would have Joseph who was called Barsabbas, maybe there were a lot of Josephs, and so they called him by, you know, his father's, like, son of whoever, um, but he was also known as Justice, which is a whole different language, right? I could be wrong about that, too. And then there's Matthias. These are people I've never heard of these people. Um, but basically, as they teach with the history along this story is that this you know prayerful conversation time period was happening about nine days after Jesus had ascended and um preaching happened shortly after that um and in Judea and basically the church went from being five approximately 500 people to 3,000 people in that time period right after Jesus um, had ascended um, and I got to thinking about it and I was like okay so the initial Jews were chosen by Jesus. There were 500 people. The majority of them were probably Jewish. And then they became 3,000 people, which wouldn't have all been Jewish people. And that's the first, you know, well, that's not the first converting, but it's, you know, 
early converting. It seemed like the church, when Jesus was there, was kind of more of like a nomadic type of people going from one place to another. Like, you don't really hear about them saying who went to church or whatever. You hear about them talking about the temple and, you know, that people were preaching in the temple or other things like that. Like, there was never really any mention of a church until later on in the book of Acts when you start seeing, you know, the preaching happening after Jesus had ascended. And it starts growing rapidly and getting really confusing. And I was listening to this um, podcast about these guys that were kind of asking the question, why? Like, why... Why would a Jew want to become Christian and why would a non-Jew want to become Christian? It's like there's no um, benefit necessarily for a non-Jew to become Christian. Um, For someone from a pagan religion or some other kind of religion to become a Christian... Um, with Christianity as it was, because at that time period, it still mirrored Judaism. And I'm not saying that people wouldn't want to become Jewish or whatever. I'm just saying it, I mean, if people already had their own culture and their own beliefs, what was it that was enticing them to come to this monotheistic religion um, where, you know, they have a belief in Jesus and then they have all these Jewish rituals, including things like circumcision. You'd have to be circumcised. Later on, there's this conversation about, like, you don't really have to be circumcised to become, you know, Jewish or to become Christian. Um, but to become Jewish, you become circumcised at your eighth day after birth, after being born. So... It's just kind of an interesting picture of, you know, the early church being being Jewish, uh, like kind of an offshoot of Judaism, but it doesn't sound a lot like Judaism either. Because John the Baptist, as well as Jesus, were kind of not fully adherent to, you know, those laws that were being taught by the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the people who were kind of the religious people in charge. Um, and it seems like the powers at the time, Rome being in charge, they didn't really care um, about Christians, you know, doing their thing, they didn't really care too much until the Pharisees got them involved. It was the Pharisees in their ear that was like kind of more on a political end getting them involved. Um, You know, near the time of Jesus' birth, you know, with you know, was it Herod that was trying to kill all the all the babies and not let Jesus be born and then, you know, John the Baptist got killed. A lot of these things were like political. You know, there was a lot of politics going on trying to like stop this thing. And it sounds like there were Jewish politics going on that were kinda cloaked in the religion, kinda getting in the ear of Roman leaders to get them to to take out Christianity and little did they know that the people who were who were still believers even if the leader got killed they were still spreading even more if they if they only got up to 500 people within that couple years but then already had expanded right after his Jesus ascension to 3000 people within the first wave I mean after that there's like the the eunuch from Ethiopia that got the message as well and was baptized and spread things and 
Philip comes up, and there's all these different people, like, the whole book of Acts is just, like, story after story after story of different groups of people, and then after that, you have the book of Romans, um, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, these are types of people, right, that are all getting, you know, talked about for their belief or what they're doing but the early church seems like after the death of Jesus it spread like wildfire all over the world and it's just a complex story because it's like they weren't all becoming Jews but they weren't all becoming Christians as we know Christianity today either because modern Christianity doesn't even look like it did back then. And Christianity back then didn't necessarily look like Judaism either. So it's kind of hard to know what it was looking like. Like, there weren't really, like, all these large, like, cathedrals and buildings and, you know, Christian churches and mega churches and things like that. Like, people were studying and learning out of people's homes um, there were a lot of home churches. Um, it wasn't like there was a temple where people went and they worshipped in this one temple that didn't really exist like that. Uh, for Judaism, it did. For Christianity, it didn't at that time. Um, there was no Catholicism yet. There was no Pope yet. Um, it's just interesting to think about because it's like, what were these people doing like what were they were traveling everywhere and when you think about the places they went it's like they didn't have like planes and buses and stuff like they were traveling by foot by maybe animal maybe like it's like they were traveling everywhere and it's like they've probably traveled more places than I've ever been in my whole life when I think of it, like, Paul, he was all over the place. These guys were getting arrested everywhere. It's just, like, it just looks like a big mess. Like, and I try to, like, picture it, and I'm like, what were they doing? Like, what was drawing these people to this? Like, what was the message they were hearing? Like, I know the message that we hear these days, but it sounds more like it was more, like, on a political level that people were kind of thinking of um, a messiah returning soon very very soon to overthrow the the current um, power that was corrupt and you know I don't know if people were taking it as a religion without the political side um I can't even think about it in today's situation with it, with the economy as it is and COVID on the on the rise and on the loose and all sorts of like people scared of losing their work and their livelihood. I could easily see somebody come along being like, look, I've got all the answers for you. You know, we see that the system that you're living in is full of greed and corruption. And here's a message. If you follow this thing, we've got somebody coming pretty soon that's going to, like, handle this. And, you know, you just have to follow. And then they see everybody else is following it. And, of course, they would, a lot of people would follow. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really have to look like a religion um, necessarily with, like, prayers and you know god and things like that like it it could be any kind of a movement and i don't know i just find it interesting that the that the early church had this whole movement going on um and i just wonder you know how the church got to kind of where it is now compared to how it was then. Like, it's like, 
it's it's just interesting to me that it's not it doesn't appear to be the same the same the same thing necessarily and i'm not saying that like christianity has to look exactly like it did like 2000 something years ago like what do i know like i don't i don't know anything you know i'm not i'm not saying that like just because something doesn't look like an old tradition because traditions over time change they adapt even when people try 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 so hard to keep it the same like i mentioned i watch a lot of cultural content of people who are doing things that they still did like a couple thousand years back um and you know different tribal groups and different groups of people adapting to other groups of people coming in and different groups you know taking on certain traditions that they didn't have before like for example an easy example is in the mental health field you know when I first started school in college in like 2003 or whatever 2000 uh, September, I guess, September or so of 2002, when I first started college, um, you would, you would not really hear a lot about meditation, about yoga, about breath work, and now, you know, you almost can't talk to a psychologist without that coming out of their mouth as some type of a coping skill, right, it's, it's, it's something that's adapted from, eastern spirituality it you know and then they took they basically sifted out the spirituality and the religious background for things and found the the meaty benefits of it and took it and studied it you know and found that these these certain uh, steps work for people to feel healing benefits of some kind, right? Um, that's an easy example of somebody's, you know, religion and beliefs and spiritual practices being taken and just totally just not even totally used in, like, spiritual methods, um, when you talk about modern psychology in the Western world, you're we're not using that in a religious way. Now, sometimes you can talk to clients about it. If it's something that they believe, you can mention their religion or um, even with Christians, you know, there might be some form of meditation and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, you're not teaching you know, the direct background from those cultures, you're not talking about where it came from, and, like, all the other traditional benefits that come with it, we don't learn about that in psychology, like, at all, unless you go out of your way to learn about it, or unless you already knew it, because it's actually your own culture, um, so that's just one example of how something can be pulled out, from something else and people still using it and it's not even the same thing it's like I do wonder if you know the spirituality aspect was kind of pulled out of Christianity and plopped into the new a lot of the new people's ideas in a political way not that not that the apostles did it but maybe that's kind of a message that would have easily spread um but then it's also, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird, because we have, a, like, Christianity these days has, like, an organized religious system. I feel like then it didn't really have, like, an organized religious system of, like, go to church on Sunday and do all this and that. Like, they weren't even going to church on Sunday yet. Um... So, but then it seems like around the time when the Bible was actually written, um, the church would have already changed a lot too. And it's just interesting, you don't really get too much of a picture of what that looks like 
from reading the Bible. You just see the people getting converted, and then they start, like, mixing all these different cultures together, and then starting to have more and more conversations about how are we going to do this, how's this going to look, like, what is it, you know, visually going to look like, like, who can call themselves this or that, what are, what are the rules, you know, you can't have, like, a religious movement with, like, no rules, and everybody's just like, oh, yeah, I agree, let me go get baptized, and then, like, just go do my own thing, um, they kind of eventually started coming up with rules and locations, and, um, throughout history, one thing just kind of led to another, there were a lot lot of wars, a lot of different stuff, but, um, and then Christian, Christianity became a, an organized state religion made legal, um, um, it was no longer, you know, just these people doing this thing, it was the actual religion, but a lot of it was changed by then, I mean, by the time it was actually a religion, it was changed into something completely different, um, a lot of pagan rituals were introduced and all these different things, and, um, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying, like, the picture changes over a few hundred years to basically a form of Judaism that looks a little different, but nobody was denying Judaism necessarily back then, they were just saying, yes, let's add Jesus to this picture, and no, let's not be so strict, and, you know, dividing ourselves, and, you know, shunning certain groups of people and stuff, let's not do that, um, and then there were people who believed, no, no Jesus, we're not adding Jesus, and we're gonna keep shunning everybody, um, that, those were kind of the different sides, um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting picture to try to really paint, because it's easy to believe that, like, you know, Christians during Jesus' time were kind of doing the same exact thing that Christians are doing nowadays. And it's like, dude, during Jesus' time, they weren't celebrating Christmas like this, or Easter, or Halloween, or, um, you know, they didn't even have the same holidays. The ones who came from Judaism were the minority of the people who were, compared to the ones who were converted, um, there were way more people who were of all these different Greek and pagan and Roman and different backgrounds, Asian and African backgrounds that were becoming Christians that were not, um, that were not Jewish. They weren't Jewish people. And so they didn't know what it had looked like before because they were coming from their own lens. And so it's just interesting um and I'm trying to find you know what would be the closest type of first service very first service that was introduced um to that's the most similar to what modern day Christians are doing what would be the most close that you could look at online that would look similar. It probably wouldn't look similar to what, you know, Jesus and John the Baptist were doing when Jesus and John the Baptist were living. It wouldn't look too similar to the early church um, right after Jesus' ascension, like right before Matthias got chosen, or it wouldn't look um, very similar to before the eunuch spread the gospel to the Ethiopians in Africa, or wouldn't look the same as it did when Constantine first started, you know, making, you know, the religion, um, a legal, um, political, uh, state religion, um, would have looked different at all of those stages, and... I don't know if there's anything online that represents any of that, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, 
because it's so different at all the different stages, I guess there's not really one. Um, there would have to be multiple that kind of held to like different things from those early churches. Um, most likely, whatever would be the closest to Judaism might be the closest to an earlier service that could have potentially been held if there were Jewish people still worshiping, you know, and believing in Jesus. Um, and it also seems like the concept and idea of Messiah were different concepts at different points that, you know, the Messiah was, you know, considered maybe like a political ruler that was supposed to come back or a religious and political figure that was supposed to come and bring the Jews um, to their promised, you know, uh, future versus Jesus being God. Those are completely different things versus Jesus being, you know, coming back after, you know, the ascension and coming back very, very soon to overthrow the Romans. Um, I mean, these ideas are so different from one another that I don't really think there's really a, a church that exists that looks like any of that. Um, I mean, the 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 church today does definitely hold to a lot of the pagan ideas and then there are churches that are kind of like we don't want any of the pagan stuff here we and then there are other churches that say we don't want the pagan stuff here but we do the jewish stuff um but we believe in jesus and then you have jewish people and then there's islam that's like all the way like some other branch that went some other direction um combined of Jews and Christians and converts of all over the world. So, I mean, it's just, I was thinking of it though, because I was like, I want to see what's one of the earlier churches. Like, yeah, Catholicism's early, Orthodoxy is early. Um, there are a lot of denominations that came out in the 1800s and the 1400s, the 1100s. Um, around 300 um I mean these are basically many versions of of religion and they all kind of do something a little bit different so it's just interesting you know I I kind of like to kind of go back and just like take a step way back as you can tell and just be like how do things look different now than they do did then um they probably looked way different then um i mean they look way different now <laughs> so um and i'm not saying it like in a judgmental way i just think it's kind of interesting and cool but like also it's like wow like when you think about it it's like things really do change over time traditions really do change over time a lot of the ways we interpret a lot of the things in the bible these days don't really interpret the way that they would have back then um a lot of traditions we have people then wouldn't have had um or things that we are or aren't allowed to do based on how we were raised and things like it's kind of interesting like when they said like Matthias was chosen and they cast lots like they cast lots to see if it was going to be this Joseph Barsabbas uh, justice guy who was chosen or Matthias and they cast lots and Matthias was the one after they prayed and cast lots Matthias was chosen and I'm thinking about like even how people get chosen to positions these days 
you know, usually churches are, like, structured, and they choose a nominating committee or something like this, and the nominating committee is based on who the pastor and other people, like deacons and other people in higher positions, decide. Seems like, on the surface, they do enough of the tradition and religion to be um, chosen, you know, as a as a leader to help choose other people to lead different areas like with the children or the food or whatever and it's like we don't cast lots you know you never have a service where they're like okay we're all these people please stand up and then we're gonna pray and then we're gonna cast lots i have never heard of anything like that um and I think my be- my belief of casting lots seems a little bit more like gambling. I've been told that there was like another uh, kind of more spiritual like version of, you know, um, a decision that's like hidden from man, but is kind of made um, by some kind of higher power. Um that that's more so what it was it wasn't it wasn't like rolling dice or anything like that but um it's still i don't i i don't know i mean if it was some kind of like spiritual sign that they were asking for i've never really even seen a church do something like that usually it's very controlled um very structurally controlled with people making decisions based on their own perceptions um, it might be led by prayer, but it, it might be led by some spiritual divine force, like, deciding who's in charge of what, but, you know, I've never heard it being called cast lots, um, and I'm not judging it, I'm just saying, like, it's just so different, it's so different to say that somebody's casting lots, um, Well, I'm finally tired and I need to go to bed because I got to work. So I'm going to stop recording, but it's a lot of food for thoughts. Um, I know I like to talk about different cultures, but I also really like to talk about Christianity. I mean, in case you have not noticed, but... The thing I like about it is because I have a deeper background in it. It's kind of hard for me to, like, go too deep into other backgrounds when I don't really know much about them. It really takes a lot more research. And so sometimes it's just a little more fun for me when I'm just wanting to record something that I already know something about. But then I still have, like, questions related to it. It's kind of like, what? Like what on earth is going on um but i don't know i like this kind of stuff as you guys know so i'm gonna keep talking about it unless it's offending people or that's not true even if it is offending people i'm still gonna talk about it um because you know like i say i'm not trying to laugh at any of it even if i do laugh at any of it i'm not trying to be disrespectful it's just like i just think people should ask questions Um, I'm asking questions that everybody has. I'm not asking questions that I just am the only person on earth who thinks this stuff. Like, I'm I'm just like, hmm, it's interesting that this doesn't look like that. And usually when you go and ask, like, a pastor or clergy member, they don't go in depth. They don't talk about it like this. They kind of point you toward why the tradition of their denomination is doing things the way that they do. They usually say because we're more right than all these other more wrong traditions or denominations or groups of people. We're right. They're wrong. So do what I do. Do what we do because we have faith in this. And it's like, okay, cool. But why am I seeing things that don't match up? You know, the first thing that, that hit me was, well, not the first, but one of the first things that hit me was like, um the the denomination I came from 
was always like, well, we're the closest to the Bible. We do the closest thing to the Bible. We follow all the Bible. Look at what we do. Look at our, look at what we do. We follow the Bible because we keep this fourth commandment that other churches don't keep. We do this, remember the seventh day and the Sabbath as the seventh day is a Jewish Sabbath. And we actually have worship services on the Sabbath and not on Sunday. We're not following following the influence of Constantine. We're doing our own, um, you know, close getting closer to the original version. And look, look what else we do. We do certain stuff from from Leviticus and Exodus about not eating shellfish and, um, you know, not eating certain types of animals versus eating other animals that are considered more clean you know we don't eat pork we don't eat you know mussels we don't eat clams you know we eat cleaner stuff similar to what jewish people eat and i was like okay okay i can kind of see that but then i started talking to my jewish friends and i'm like oh well you guys keep kosher but we say that we follow things closer to what Judaism follows so why don't we keep kosher it's like yeah we follow the same bible section but how come you guys do it in this kosher thing in this kosher method and we don't and then I started seeing other things and I was like okay well we Jews follow all these commandments, all the commandments in the Old Testament, but we don't do any of the ones before or after this stuff that's talking about the food. Why don't we wear tassels on the four corners of our garments or do all this other kind of stuff? But they do it, but we don't do any of this other stuff, but they do all the other stuff. Like, why? You know, and I would ask, and I would never get any answers. And so I was like, okay, this is leading me nowhere, (laughs) you know? Um, They would never say, oh, we just don't do what Jews do because we're not Jewish or, you know, they never could explain why we do some of the commandments, but not all of them, even though we say that we are closer to right because we do some of them, but not all of them. And then I started asking, well, Messianic Jews technically do all of the Old Testament commandments just like Jews do. So if Adventism is saying that they're closer to the truth because of them following a few of the Old Testament commandments that other modern-day Christians don't follow anymore, then why aren't Messianic Jews considered the better religion to be? Because they're following all of them. And then they would say nothing, basically, that made any sense whatsoever. And so I was like, okay. I already started seeing, like, discrepancies. And I wasn't asking questions to be a jerk. I was just like, okay, I see what you're saying, but why do we do this? And then they would always never answer the question. They wouldn't even, like, give, like, a, like a, like a half-thought-out answer of, like, anything. They would just kind of avoid it and I was like okay well because I was thinking like well if that's your logic then what about this and they were just like well we don't do that and I was like well why and like we just don't it's like okay so if I want to follow the old testament holy days and feast days in the old testament I'm looked at as weird if I don't celebrate Christmas and Easter and all these other things, but if I celebrate the Jewish Sabbath, then that's okay. It's like we're kind of picking and choosing here. And I started noticing that more and more. And the more I started studying, like all kinds of stuff, I was like, why is everybody just like, why are these people in charge just never answering any questions? Because I have a lot of questions. And so I started looking into the questions I had and trying to figure out, like, where historically people were making these decisions 
why they were making these decisions, why we don't learn about all these other religions, we just learn about our own. Because I was meeting, you know, I was raised in LA. I met so many people from so many different backgrounds. I was always like talking to them and I was like, well, they think they're right. And I'm being told that how I was raised was right. And I'm pretty sure they were being told the same things. And so what the heck, you know? <laughs> um, so I just always found it interesting, you know, being raised around religious people who kind of teach you not to question. And they look at you weird if you do things that you think are right when nobody else is doing them. And then they look at you weird when you talk about things as you know you study different things from other different groups of people I can't tell you how many friends I grew up with that were like that still you know I still know people that I've known since I was like five that you know have a certain weird view of me because I don't reject things right away like when I see something different I actually towards it I don't pull away from it I'm usually like "Ooh, what's that I don't know about this thing I want to learn about it a little bit I want to like delve into that and watch that and see what they do there and like you know why do they do that like what's that thing that they're doing and like why don't I do that like they seem like they're getting benefit from that thing and we don't do that thing you know and it's like I like to know what works for people because I mean I think it's really cool to learn from other cultures about stuff that they do that I've never known about, but obviously it benefits them. Just like I was mentioning, like the mindfulness, the deep breathing, that kind of stuff, that's life-changing for so many people. Even if they don't become the religions that do it, just learning about it for a lot of people can really, really, really improve their mental health. And it's like, there's so many things around the world like that, you know, learning about like the Japanese diet or the Indian diet, Indian food diet. It's like, you can heal a lot of things about your physical body just by changing your diet. But if you never learn about all these other cultural things and you're raised in a culture that everybody dies or gets obese and has all these problems early on in life, I can't tell you how many friends I have near their 40s that had heart attacks or near heart attacks. I probably have at least five that I can think of right off the top of my head. And these people are relatively healthy. Most of them now have changed a lot of their ways, but most of them were drinking and smoking all the time and didn't really exercise enough and didn't eat properly. That's mostly what it was. It wasn't too much off from that. Like most of them just did those few things or didn't do those few things. And by 40, their 40s were already having issues. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, like, 40 isn't that young. I'm not that far from there, guys. Um, and to think about having a heart attack at, like, 40, I'm like, wow, that's that's young. Um, and just looking at different cultures and stuff like that can help you live longer. You know, I see a lot of benefit in other cultures not not necessarily a lot of benefit in always looking at my own background and saying like picking it apart and seeing what's right and what's wrong because there's definitely a lot in in how I was raised that worked worked for me too and does still work for me now which is why I don't completely drop it um but there are parts of it that I'm like hmm this could maybe be tweaked to be a little bit better and I'm not always looking for the answer specifically for that, but if I do see something that's way different, I do like to kind of know about it. Just because there's probably some benefit there somewhere of something I've never ever heard of on the face of the on the face of the planet or in my whole entire lifetime. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've watched a YouTube video of some random cultural thing where I'm like, oh, that would be like super cool, you know. And um, even if I don't do it, just to know that there's something like that that exists. You know, that other people around the world have done this thing and made it work. And they look so happy, you know, and seem like it's really so beneficial to them. And we're missing out over here, you know. I mean, if I never would have even looked at it, I wouldn't even know that it was an option. If I was like, oh, I don't understand this language. I'm not going to click on that, you know. Or like, I see people of this skin tone. Oh, no, I'm not going to click on that. You know, it's like, 
you know, I like to just dive in there and be like, oh, this is different from me completely. Like, let me click on this and see what happens. Or let me read this book or learn about this person and see what happens. Um, I don't always, like, gravitate towards doing all the stuff that people do. It's just, it's cool to know about, just in case you want to try it for later. Just in case you want to delve into it a little bit later and find something beneficial there. And the more you dive into different cultures, you'll usually find something beneficial for yourself, even if you're not doing it exactly like they do it. You can always sift it out into your own perspective, uh, through your own lens, and do something that way. But that's kind of why I like to question all kinds of stuff. Um, and for entertainment, I mean, I find it very interesting to like have a question and look for how many different questions come out of it. Um, with potential possible answers or versions of answers. Um, I like that a lot. Obviously, I also wouldn't be doing it all the time, but um, I'm basically recording because I can't sleep. And I'm like, well, this is what was on my mind earlier, so I'm just going to get on with my night then and uh, go to bed. <laughs> But uh, with that, thanks for listening.